0: said well I don't want to you know be at home and start a renovation like yep. it doesn't make sense to be stuck at home so things have slowed down in some regards but we're pretty steady still for the most part
1: that's good yeah yeah how about for you excuse me pretty much the same like I had a few projects that were basically in the proposal stage where they weren't necessarily massive projects but they were you know, decorating projects and like helping an old client, a couple like previous clients. And one, I was going to travel like two hours for like a half day consultation and, and we right. just had to cancel. So one of the clients now we're just doing virtual, like a smaller scale, cause she's a realtor. So right. that kind of affected her immediate like income mm-hmm. to some degree. yeah. yeah. And, um, but then I had another, I have like another Picton project, which t- truth be told, like it's been a very, very crazy like three weeks for me. So yeah. it's really distracted me because I think, I mean, I'm not, it's not a blessing. It's not a blessing, but it was kind of like timing for me was good because I felt like I was procrastinating already. So it forced me, I, I basically sat at my desk for like eight hours a day for like three weeks and then last, and we had like three kind of virtual calls like in the three weeks and the last one i did was on friday now we're going to do a few more things we're just going to get it to a point where we have all the furniture pretty much locked and loaded but where i can't get samples then when it's time again go confirm fabrics or whatever and then we're just ready to go when we can go we like we ordered a sectional and a sofa from cocoon to get that rolling because we started that before this all kind of went down when it was still yeah right Right. but yeah we're yeah, we're still placing orders
0: too. I mean, a lot of companies are still shipping things, which is yep. good. But yeah,
1: it's it's been an adjustment for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then this guy, these guys, it's like they don't. It's a new build, so their house was supposed to be ready in June, but now it's delayed. So it's like we don't want to order a bunch of stuff. I don't know if my receiver is accepting stuff right now. And then we don't want it yeah. to sit there for that long either. Exactly. It's I a know. Whole thing of just a slippery slope. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. It's madness. Yeah. I had to, pl- I placed a lighting order right before all this went down. And now I'm just, I work with a team as my receiver and yeah. I, I'm kind of like, well, I know they got some of the order and I really want to go and like open the boxes, which I might do. Cause there's nobody there really other than two guys and they can just stay far away from me. But right. I mean, unless that's frowned upon anymore, I don't know, but then there's other stuff showing up and he's not open all the time. So I'm just like, it's very stressful. It is. It really is. That's true. It's a big change, and it's it's going to affect us
0: in a lot of ways, right? Stocks yeah. are way down, which is going to affect people's Banking. income, like you
1: said, and even when everything. we're back to normal, exactly. You know, depending, like for me, <clears throat> you know, some people like I don't know. This is a theory; I don't know a fact, but like I don't work with a super high-end, high end, high like super wealthy client generally like I have some right. but the typical people coming in and out of my like funnel are more like hopefully nobody ever listens to this but <laughs> people are like, you know like budget conscious yes and they're, yeah. and they're like they value good design enough to like stretch their money and do it but yeah, they do invest. It kind of enough, like they're not going crazy on you know right. shopping at LT market or whatever so yeah those people like the like you know, somewhat similar to me, but maybe a little bit, you know, on a higher scale. But right, these are the people that are going to be more affected later. Whereas like maybe designers who are, you know, already working with a very wealthy client, while those clients might be impacted, they still might see like their business do fairly well, no matter what. That's right. my theory. I don't know this.
0: Right. And you never know. I mean, people being stuck in their homes for yep. this long could could realize, hey, you know what? This, there I are can. things that aren't working and, yep. and I need help. So yeah. We'll have to see what happens. For For sure. sure.
1: Okay. I'm probably going to keep some of that in. (laughs) Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Because it's topical. All right, guys. I'm here today with Tiffany Lee from Tiffany Lee Design. Hi. Hi, guys. Thanks so so much for having me. I am so pumped to have you. So, just a little background for the listeners there's a bunch of us designers in the Toronto slash GTA little I don't, it's yeah. like Burlington considered GTA yes yeah I don't, I don't know think a little so. bit yeah. further I don't know so you know they're not we're not all close by like some of them are like an hour or a bit away but we kind of started a local mastermind group I don't know when like sometime last year yeah about a year I want to say there was like at least 10 of us in this group I don't know it's kind of always growing and And we meet like, we try to meet monthly, but Tiffany is one of the designers in the group. And I met her, I want to say like late last year, we went to dinner, a bunch of us together. Yes. And I just have been listening to you tell, like kind of share certain processes and you know, how you do things in your business. And I was just like. This girl has got her shit together. I want to tell her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. That's just so nice. Thank you. <laughs> so why don't you start by then? Just tell everybody what your backstory is. Like, you know, where did you go to school? Um, you know, how long have you been doing this on your own? How, you know, what firm, like how many firms did you work at? All that good stuff. Absolutely.
0: So originally I went to school not for design. I went to the University of Guelph and I got a degree in English Um, and I kind of knew as I was going through that, that I wanted to switch paths. I was on the path to becoming a teacher, a kindergarten teacher, and I kind of knew this. It wasn't my true passion. And so when I was a year out from completing that degree on a whim, I went to Toronto to an open house at the Academy of Design Toronto and applied to start there. Uh, I, I did finish my degree at Guelph, so I finished out the fourth year, and then I started right away at the Academy of Design Toronto. Wow! Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty intense. It's a three year course. It's a fully uh, accredited Bachelor of Interior Design degree, um, but because I had some transfer credits from my previous education and I didn't take summer breaks or anything I finished it a little bit quicker so about two and a half years and then I was done that while I was there I was working part-time as a kitchen designer at Home Depot which was nice hilarious yes was a good good base foundation um, and then I had the opportunity while I was still a student to start part-time at at a local design firm, which was really great. Uh, it was their Richardson's, who I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. And then when I graduated from the program, they hired me on full-time, which was amazing. And so I worked there for four and a half years, and it was such a great learning opportunity. And obviously, somebody I'd been following and watching on TV since I was 12 years old. Were you
1: freaking out when
0: that happened at the time? How did I I get here? (laughs) I was freaking out. It was crazy and such a dream come true for me. And the whole four and a half years were really great. Terrific client projects. I learned a lot about the business side of things and the design of of things. I got to work with such a talented team. It was amazing. How big was that team? At the time she had about 15 designers so yeah, there was quite a few of us and it was a, a lot of projects and just so much talent at that firm. Um so it was fantastic. And then last year, uh February of last year, I kind of decided it was it was time after four and a half years that I I was having a calling to have more, you know, creative control and I always knew I would eventually one day start my own firm and it just felt like the right time. So I I took the leap and I did it and and they were very supportive and since then it's just been me on my own and it's
1: been it's been a wild ride but it's been great that's amazing and okay I well we're gonna start because you have a pretty decent Instagram following so I'm curious mm-hmm. um you you had that before you started out on your own so like what was the what was what was happening? In, like, were you blogging? What helped drive your Instagram following up? Like, like the numbers and stuff. Cause it's, it's, and that right. I'm sure was helpful when launching into your own business, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You'll tell us. Yeah, it
0: absolutely was. So I think I can credit a lot of that to the fact that I did have uh, an interior design blog that I started right before I started design school. And all through design school, I would blog about all of my, projects that I was working on, what I was learning. I would blog about my little studio apartment that I had decorated and it got featured on the Every Girl. And back then, you know, the market for blogs and design Instagram accounts wasn't nearly as saturated. So when a bigger account like the Every Girl would share, share you, you would see a huge increase yeah. in your own numbers from that. So I think from that alone, I increased over 2000 followers in one day. Right. So, which is so crazy. And back then the algorithm wasn't what it is today either. Yep. Um, so that was very helpful, but it's definitely slower now. It's harder to grow now. And, and I, yeah, I get asked a lot about what my secret was. And I think I just was fortunate to start at the right time. And, and just kind of learn as I go. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, but yeah, it's been helpful because I would say a lot of my business I do have on my intake
1: form, how did you find us? And and most of it says from Instagram. So it's been great. That's amazing. And um <laughs> your blog that you're referring to, is it still connected yeah. to your website? And like if we went deep enough, we would see that stuff. If you Googled it,
0: you could find it. It's not connected to my current okay. website. Okay. Uh, just because it's more DIY content. Yep. And, you know, it was when I was a, a broke student yep. and living on my own. So that's not necessarily the clientele that I'm catering towards anymore. Yep. The DIY market. So I've, I've disconnected it from my website, but if you Google it, it's the archives are still on there. <laughs>
1: yeah. People so get creative peeps if you want to see it. Cause I find <laughs> that to be a fun little thing to do. Um, so with, what was I going to say? You're, you get a lot of people on your Instagram as clients. So I know in some of our mastermind sessions, you've talked about like you do quite a bit of virtual design, but it's not like e design. It's like you're very involved, but just on a like on a distance level. Is that am I making that up? Did I make that up? Yeah, I don't do a ton of that.
0: I mean, my our preference is always to be yeah. as fully involved in a full scale project as possible, but we do help some clients who are further out. Um, so we have some clients who project manage their own projects. And then we just are there with things like FaceTime calls. We answer really long emails with really detailed instructions, things like that. It's definitely, I would say, more challenging to work that way because we're not there to catch every little thing. Yeah. Um, but we do. We definitely do offer a more involved kind of virtual package as opposed to, yeah, just an e-design.
1: Right. Um, and that like, you don't have to go into specifics, but do you just bill hourly the same way you would, you exactly. approach it the exact same way you a, a local client? Absolutely. Yeah. So we okay. bill
0: hourly. We do our two hour consultation first for every project, no matter even what. Even if it's virtual. Is, even if it's virtual and then we'll just do it via FaceTime, um, which has worked really well. And we're still doing some of those now in. The current COVID situation, yeah. we're doing some a lot of virtual consultations, which has been good. But yeah, same thing. So we start with the consultation, and then it's hourly billing from
1: there. Gotcha. Okay, we're gonna go back to your like story. How you? So you yeah. last February, you're like, I'm gonna do this. And yeah. Cool. Um, what was some of the? Well, actually, before we say that, I will. I wanted to say one thing. Um, a lot. I feel like what you did is what I suggest a lot of people do is start putting content out. But like I, I went to a, an event at TIDC where we were we a bunch of there was a panel for like students from Barry College. Yeah. Uh, I I'm the worst. I should know the name. I forget anyway. But um, one of the things I was saying was like just if start a f- like building a like post whatever you can now because if you have people following you by the time you want to start selling services, it's going to be a lot easier if you have an audience of people. So just start. Now. So I think that's like a real good example is that that's kind of what happened with you a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I can remember my first blog post I ever did. I think it was about my childhood tree house or something. And I gave it a little makeover and I didn't have any money. I was, I don't know, 19 at the time or so. So I went to HomeSense. I bought a bunch of stuff. I styled up this treehouse, and then I returned everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. There are things you can do, even if you're just capturing a small vignette in your home, like a side table or something. There's always stuff you can do to show people your style.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, you start your business last bit. Like, what's the first few steps you take when you wanted, when you were ready to kind of go do this on your own? Yeah. Your first first have a website? Steps.
0: I have a website. Um, I had it before. So, the thing about the firm that I was working at was that we, we're independent contractors there. So okay. it was a little bit different maybe than a traditional firm in that aspect. So I could have, you know, my own website, my own clients on the side. Oh, so I okay. slowly started building a small client base through my Instagram. And then the demand for it was just getting to a point where, you know, I believe in always doing the best job possible. And I, I didn't feel like I could give somebody else's firm what it needed. And, these side projects with yeah. So it came to the point where I just said, okay, I'm going to stick with this. So I was lucky in that regards that I had a little bit of a beginning client base already. But yes, I think investing in a website is huge. I'm actually investing right now in a complete branding and redesign of the website. It felt like a, a risky, but good time to do it. In- yeah, in is it with the Identity thing. Collective? It's not. I do have one of their um, templates okay I'm, I'm also launching a shop so I, I saw this yes I purchased one of Anastasia's templates for that and it's it's amazing I highly recommend their templates uh, so but, sorry your th- current website is this or you're working off a template right now and building it out I'm working off a template right now building okay. up the shop for that and then I have a different graphic designer working on my main website and that was just you know uh Identity Collective's work is amazing but it was a little bit out of my snack bracket right now the templates are very affordable but the actual custom branding and websites were a little bit more than I could take on right now so I found another great uh designer they're called Cafe
1: Olay Studio okay cool they're working on it love that's good yeah I'm very excited
0: amazing because your
1: website's really nice already just for the record but is it it's, you want you. Shop?
0: it's it's really more that I just wanted a branding package so a logo maybe some more specific coloring to what is my aesthetic and all of that and so I just decided to do the whole package and and kind of really nail
1: that down now we'll have exciting. some
0: extra time. Yeah, it's exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's a dream. I'm going to do that at some point in time. And okay, so you, you have your website, which you already had. So what's the first steps that you take? And like, how quickly do you get your first client at that point? Yeah, so because I had, like, as I said,
0: a little bit of a client base going, I had work kind of from the beginning. Okay. And then very small projects, just, you know, a room here. And then through word of mouth, somehow I got kind of my first larger project, which was a basement renovation in Burlington. And I feel like from there, it's just really, really taken off much quicker than I had anticipated, which is fantastic. I was renovating. uh, Last year, I was renovating my own beach house or kind of coming to the end of that. And a builder was following me on Instagram and was I guess interested in what I had done. So, him and I started talking. Like, I would be tiling my own bathroom, and he would be giving me pointers and things like that. So, we kind of created a professional relationship just through Instagram. And then it came time when he had a client of a certain caliber that he felt he wanted to involve a designer, and he asked me. And we have worked on two projects two large projects together now and it's a relationship we both hope to continue. So that's been fantastic. And so it started with me working for the builder and then it's transitioned into the clients hiring me also for all the furniture and draperies and lighting throughout, which is great.
1: Amazing. And so when you're working for the builder, you're basically like, He's just rolling your pricing into his fees. Like you're exactly. you're never really when you're working for the builder, are you ever seeing the client or are you just working directly with him?
0: Yeah. So I do see the client sometimes to present the hard finishes just because it is their home. And, yeah. and it's easier than it's easier for me to just speak to them directly than to kind of communicate through the builder and then the builder go to the client. Got it. And which has been nice because that's how I've been able to develop the relationship with the client that then leads to you know, the rest of the package. Which
1: right. Is amazing. That's yeah. amazing. That's, I, I've talked to a few designers now who have said how like working with builders has been really big for their business, especially early on and what it yeah. does and stuff. So I really got to start figuring that out. I'm so proud to have Ultralux Linens as a sponsor of The Pod. I was already proud to have this amazing company as a podcast sponsor, but over the last few weeks, I guess months, I don't know, who can know anymore? We've all been dealing with such a massive, massive worldwide pandemic. And many, many vendors, many suppliers uh, are doing their part to really give back and to help support the frontline workers. And Ultralux Linens, I reached out to Jacqueline, who is the owner of Ultralux Linens, at the end of March, to get um, a fabric quote, or yeah, fabric quotes, and to get a quote for some drapery, just for, you know, not to move forward with it now, but for when we're ready to move forward, when all this settles down, whenever that will be, <laughs> and I wasn't sure if they were still doing work, and she she replied saying, um, you know, bear with me, we're just trying to uh, participate in, I guess, the Michael Guerin Hospital Initiative, and it's basically a thousand mask a week initiative that they are a part of, and they're working with Maxwell Fabrics uh, for uh, fabric donations, and they've been spending all their days sorting and packing at the end of the month, uh, at the end of March anyways, they were spending their days like sorting and packing up scrap fabrics and donating it to home seamstresses, who are also going to be a part of the Thousand Masks a Week initiative. And the other day she posted a photo on her Instagram saying how such a great start it had been uh, to the initiative. They were able to produce a thousand per week of washable cotton masks with a filter pocket. Do I know what a filter pocket is? No, but I'm going to, that sounds good. That sounds super helpful to our frontline workers. And that makes me so happy and proud to not only have Ultra Lux as a podcast sponsor, but also to be able to working be working with her um, as my workroom and where I source my fabric. So I want to give a massive shout out to Jacqueline and her team, all the amazing home seamstresses who are also participating in this. So I'll tell you what, guys, they don't only have a massive showroom. They've got massive hurts. Oh yeah. I wrote that myself. Uh, but seriously, guys, uh, please, please do me a favor. Go find them on Instagram, ultra Lux linens, maybe give them a little love. They're all, they're still doing all this plus helping support their designers. So if you need anything from them, you can go to ultraluxlinens.com and you can shoot them an email and she'll be more than happy to help you. There you go. Um, okay. So you, you start doing those kinds of projects. Like, are you doing anything different on Instagram? Like to tell people? Like, are you just using Instagram as your platform for telling people? Or I assume maybe you had started an email list of some sort, and that's how you get the word out a little bit?
0: Yeah, so I had always had an intention to start an email list. That was one of the things that I said when I start my business, first thing, email list, but then I don't know what happens. You just get busy and these yeah. things fall fall to the wayside. So now I have been, you know, with the extra time of with the social distancing thing, I've been really making certain things like that a priority. So I have started an email list. I have been really focusing on getting my Pinterest nailed down because the traffic clicks from Pinterest I have heard are just crazy. And I, I do, do not
1: have that shit sorted. At I, all.
0: Yeah, I didn't have it at all. I didn't have any Pinterest. The only time I used Pinterest was when I would ask clients to send me their inspiration me boards too. or things like that. And I felt like, I just pin stuff there. Like that's just, yeah, exactly. But I think it can be a huge tool to drive business. So I'm starting to focus on that, but still figuring it out. (laughs) There's so much. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, you can, I think there are so many platforms to market yourself on now. And I, I just had to kind of pick and choose. So Instagram is my main one. And I think I'm, A weekly newsletter and Pinterest will be my others. I don't really have any interest in Facebook or some of those other things.
1: Yeah, you just kind of pick a couple things and do it really well, then try to do everything and do it kind of half-ass. Absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, you did hire fairly quickly, right? So, do you want to share a little bit about how, how that's how the catalyst for that and how you're managing that, like? are they employees or contract workers, all that kind of? Absolutely. So
0: yeah, right now I have three girls working for me, three team members, I should say. Um, They are all fantastic and they are all contractors. Mm -hmm. So I know that they do work for a couple other designers who we know in the city also. Um, So they're with me one day a week in office, obviously not right now. We're working just virtually, but one day a week they come in and then they do work from home as well if there's you know spillover or extra things to be done. And yeah, I hired, I hired quite early and I think after a month of trying to do my own invoicing and keep track of all my receipts and my merchandise and all of that, I realized very quickly on that the finance side of things is not something I am particularly skilled at nor something I'm particularly interested in. <laughs> So I would say the first person, if you're thinking to hire, think about hiring a bookkeeper or somebody to handle that side of things, because it just frees up so much of your time to do the things you actually love. And then I, so that is Cece. She is our kind of account administrator bookkeeper. And then I have Rachel. Sorry, who I'm is, just going to ask a quick question about that. Yeah. Is she like a, an accountant She's not an accountant. Um, So she is very familiar with Design Docs, which is the program that I use to do all of my invoicing and project management. Okay. Um, So she is very, very very familiar with Design Docs, which was a huge bonus. So she does all my month to month. She'll balance my, my books. She'll reconcile my visa and my business account. She'll send out all the client invoices, that sort of thing. And then she gathers anything to send to my accountant for tax time. Right. So I don't have to deal with it, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's nice because if clients have questions about invoices or anything like that, it all goes to her. So um, from a client perspective, I'm kind of kept out of the money talk, which can be sometimes a bit of an awkward conversation. I think it just, you know, it keeps me to design and somebody else to the finances. And I think that's kind of clean and
1: nice agree and also even just like on a mental level sometimes I'm like I don't want to send this invoice and you just you know if like somebody else is hitting send you're just like yeah whatever (laughs) whatever talk to me like it's not like that emotional mental turmoil of like oh my god I'm just not right yet (laughs) do you feel that did you ever feel that way I you
0: know what I think this is another benefit that came from working for a firm first is that for four and a half years, I logged and billed every hour I ever worked, and that was just expected at the firm, right? Because you're there to bring money into the firm, and so for me, that's how, I, It's just been a very seamless transition into continuing to do that for my own business. I'm very comfortable logging hours and just billing hours, and I've never had an issue. So,
1: well, you you know what I think probably the benefit of that is is like sometimes. You saw the logged hours in a firm. You saw people paying those hours right. for four and a half years. So like you sometimes it's just understanding like what is reasonable and not and, and being able to have that proof that can help you over the hurdle. So for me, it's like sometimes I'm like, is this more hours than it should have been? Uh you know, like you start to question, like, is this unreasonable? Is this reasonable? Whatever. Right. But you kind of firsthand, we're able to like, learn that and know. Absolutely. It's and there's and it's
0: fine. <laughs> yeah. And there's still you have to still self monitor. I mean, if I know that, yeah, this took me two hours, but I also know that I was on my phone for a little bit. And I was yeah. distracted here. I'll deduct a little bit of time. But yeah. the actual time that I'm working, I'm I've become quite comfortable building. Yeah, which is great. How do you track your time? I track my time in design docs. Okay. And so we bill by the
1: quarter hour, by the hour, but in quarter hour increments. Got it. And um, yeah, yeah. okay, got it. Um, we are, yeah, so, and then, so that was your first hire. Yes. And then who yes. else you got on the go? And then I have Rachel,
0: who is a junior designer and who I have worked with in the past. So I know that she is fantastic. Um, she helps source. She helps with all our client presentation prep. She does all of our ordering, which is really nice, Um, and tracking of ordering, so she keeps all of that running really smoothly. She's fantastic, and then we just hired kind of before all of this craziness in the world happens, so kind of (laughs) bad timing. High stress! (laughs) High high stress, but we just hired on uh, Taylor, who is a student at the same design school that I went to, so... She had gotten in touch with me a little while ago, a few years ago now, and asked kind of about my journey and about the school program and how I liked it and that sort of thing. And we've kept in touch over the years. So she was a good person to hire just as a student, give her some experience, get some help with some of the things that, you know, are more, I don't want to say menial tasks because she does help with client client tasks as well but you know keeping us organized doing running around to vendors and things that's how I started in the business you learned so much doing those things you make great connections out in the field so that's her and yeah and it's it's interesting now transitioning into this kind of new situation we are in with the coronavirus because I, I feel a big responsibility to those girls and to yeah. keeping work flowing to those girls um, and making sure that they have work and, and hours to build. So I feel like I've been filtering a lot of the stuff to them and, and taking on, I've been tackling more the back end side of things, things for the business that I've wanted to do, but haven't really had time to do and keeping them working on the, on the client work. Cause the reality is when they make money, I also make money. Mm-hmm. And, and if I kept all the work, only I would be making money, right? So yeah. that's as a business owner, if you're going to hire people. You have to kind of think about those things, right? It's, it is sure. it is a big
1: responsibility. Um, it's funny you say that because I feel like I might be crossing who said this, but I, I, I've talked to Rebecca Hay a few times on my podcast and she did yes. say like having employees really keeps you accountable and really lights a fire under your butt because you you have these people who are counting on you so Absolutely. and I apologize not that I'm assuming Rebecca is going to listen to this or not but if that's not the person who said that but I feel like <laughs> I remember her saying that and I could see that yeah. like you know sometimes you can get lazy if it's just you you're like this is it just impacts me but it just yeah. right it's yeah so that's very interesting too so okay um and what about like, what does your client process look like? So from lead intake, how do people kind of inquire whether it be through Instagram and how do you manage that process right down to like getting them like signed on as a client? Right. So, so as soon as I do get quite
0: a few direct messages in Instagram and I always direct them to send me an email. Because they do, do
1: it most of the time? I would say
0: most of the time they do. And if they don't, to me, that says they weren't really that serious about the process anyways. The, the reason is Instagram's messaging system is horrible. You can't I, find find anybody. <laughs> you yeah. search for, unless you remember their exact name, you hey, no, can't so find the first no con- <laughs> it's, it's the worst. worst. So I always just say, you know, it's really hard for us to keep track of our direct messages. Please send us an email to this and we'll send you an information package. The other way... People get in touch with us is through the intake form on our website, and from there we send a consultation welcome kit, which is a few-page document just kind of outlining our consultation process, what that costs, what it does, and then next steps post-consultation. And we follow pretty closely, or we try to anyways, to follow Kimberly Selden's steps. So to try and take a very similar approach where you start with the consultation. Then you go back and you do kind of a trade day with your main trades and measure and photographs. And then we meet with them again in six to eight weeks and present. Hopefully the ideal situation would be pretty much every single item that would be yeah. going in their house. And then from there goes into revisions and then orders and, and that sort of thing. So we do similar to Kimberly, where we present our contract at uh, consultation in the, final like 20 minutes and as soon as we get signed contract and receipt of retainer we will start the rest of the process
1: okay I love it um for people listening I'm sure everybody knows what we mean by Kimberly Seldon but if you're not familiar it's just google the business of design and there's a whole website um which aligns her process it's a course and there's some free stuff there and then you can sign up blahdy blahdy blah blah, go check it out um okay (laughs) So people either DM you, fill out your form. I assume sometimes they like email you. No, because I feel like, yes. you, do they sometimes just direct email you? They can direct email. Okay. Yes. So yes. all three of those, no matter what they're getting, the first thing that they get from you as information is your consultation welcome or the consultation information package, right? Exactly. You don't hop on a call with anybody before consultation. I don't No, Which is so freaking liberating to me. <laughs> Do you even know <laughs> how liberating an idea this is and I'm like does anybody ever want to N-
0: no not really I think I have done it once I did it once and it was it didn't end up turning into anything and it was like an hour of my time yeah, and <laughs> it just you know and and I feel like in a phone call so much information can get extracted which is Stuff I like to talk about at the consultation, right? So, I just send the package. I say, "Let me know if you have any questions. Otherwise, let's pick a date and sign you up." People sign up. I go,
1: and then we start. History. No, so and the rest <laughs> is history. Part <laughs> of your your consultation um, info package: an overview on how you bill. Yes. Like this, so okay, has, okay. Yeah,
0: it has our obviously our consultation price and then it has our hourly pricing for each tier. So, you know, I am at one rate and then the gotcha. juniors are at another rate and admin is at another. And then it also goes into like post-consultation. If you'd like to move forward into full service design, this is kind of our steps and what to expect.
1: Cause I find like a lot of people, and maybe this is like more indicative of the, budget level of clients that reach out to me potentially, like fully appreciate that. Right. In my experience, nine times out of 10, when somebody leads with, what are your rates? It normally means like they can't really afford full service off the hop. Like it's, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Yeah,
0: I think I would agree. I mean, I feel like most people want to know the rates regardless what their budget is. But I have found that since putting together this kind of well-designed professional welcoming package, it has translated into more business than just when I would type up an email with my rates. I think there's just something about the polished look. And, and it's not you saying this is my rate, right? It's a package going out. They see like what they get. Right. It shows a, le- a level of what to expect moving forward in terms of their presentations and all of that thing. I guess my
1: question to that would be too is like how much text is in the package and like because some people are not apt to read so is it a blend of like here's a short or is it just more high level in that and then you go into more detail during the consultation?
0: Yeah I would say it's more high level so kind of how there's just a front page and then there's a page with kind of a menu because I think I think it's like a seven to nine page document. I should pull it up. But, and then the next page is just an image with kind of our mission statement or little quote. And then the next one is consultation. Here's what to expect. And then we have a checklist of things that this is what you need to prepare for the consultation. And then after that, it's just the rates and then what to expect moving forward. And then we have a frequently asked questions page. If, if people okay. need more detail
1: about anything. Do you, because, okay, so I put one of these things together as like, not like that, not totally like that. It was more yeah. like, I was trying to automate, like you send, you are a lead, when you fill out a form, they would automatically get an email with the attachment that I'd put together. Right. I, I'm, I'm really good at over complicating and adding more information than probably people need or want. So it was like, I included like, I should pull mine up consultation. And then I went into the steps of like what the full service looks like, but I wonder, I think I was gone ahead of like giving that information when maybe that's more at the consultation. When you say next steps, is your next steps at least just saying what the the Kimberly Seldon steps are? Exactly. It's just listing,
0: listing the steps. And I, I don't put any additional information. And I have, I've kind of grouped some of her steps for me. I think she's 15. Yeah. 15 seems like a lot. So I've kind of grouped some and made 10. Yeah. That's what I did, like I did too. Easier, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, it's not a ton of information about that. It's just a very brief overline. Yeah. That.
1: And yeah. do you, um, in, in that document, you don't say like average cost for one room, three room, like services or budget for, to do it? No, I don't okay and when you start with during the consultation like when you get a contract signed you basically are just like you're not giving them like okay here's an estimate let's pretend you do you do just furnishing projects ever yeah yeah Yeah. okay because I know when it comes to renovations that's a different story because there's too many things out of our control that like I wouldn't price out a renovation for somebody but I do a lot more furnishing. But what yes. I do, and I know I'm adding a lot of work to myself, but I'm guessing <laughs> you don't do this. And I'm just like, okay, why am I doing this to myself? I put together after the consultation, like, an estimate. well, I have a spreadsheet that if, like, I have time in the consultation, I'll actually go through and just take out what they don't, like, it's high, medium, low, and you can just change the numbers. And then I can say, like, right. you're probably, I've been getting, right before pandemic occurred, <laughs> I was having consultations where I was able to quickly give them a rough idea on like what it might cost and blah, um, blah, blah, whatever. And then, you know, your budget, because I had a spreadsheet that I would just like open, take out um, things that, you know, it's like a full room for a whole home and I just right. take it, it's not needed. So I could at least be like, you know, you're probably looking at whatever, but you probably, you don't do any of that. You just kind of, like, how do you identify like what is, a, what you can be sourcing within or not? I, I kind of, I ask them if there's a number that they're looking to spend.
0: Okay. And when they tell me it, I'll tell them if it's not realistic or if it is realistic. I had a client who wanted to do, um, you know, from a furnishings budget perspective, they wanted the living room, master bedroom and basement for $30,000. And I said very early on, that's not Possible, yeah. so I tell clients, you know, um, at a very minimum to furnish a room, you're you're looking at at least very minimum fifteen thousand dollars per room.
1: Yeah,
0: um, that's not even including any design fees. That's just for furnishings. So that's kind of the base number I yeah. give people, and that's I really leave it at that. The next step I have, and I find most clients do want this. So after. I say, okay, once I get the contract and the retainer, what I can do for you is I'll do the floor plans of what I think will be the best layout. And from the floor plans, I can put together a very detailed item by item, line by line budget, because I know everything that's going to go in those rooms, ideally. And I can present that to you. And from there, you can pick and choose what you want to move forward with.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that all the time or just
0: some of the times? I would say 90% of the time that is what I do because clients want to see what they're going to kind of be spending before I spend all the time sourcing those actual items. For sure. And so for in the, the case I was just talking about with the client who wanted to do master bedroom, living room and basement, by the time I showed them, so I said, I'll do the budget with all three spaces so you can see what realistically it would cost. And when they saw that we eliminated the basement from the scope and we pared down the master bedroom a little bit and most of the budget's going towards the living room and a few updates in the master bedroom. But the client was able to see, okay, realistically, this is what it would cost and then pick and choose from there. And so at that stage of the budget, I'm just assigning realistic numbers to items, not choosing specific
1: items. for sure. Got it. I really like that process better. And um, do you ever get to a consultation... Yep. And you start saying, well, one room minimum is generally, like yeah. at minimum, 15000 Does anybody go, well, that's, no? Because it's funny, to, in my world, some people think that's not what it takes. <laughs> they don't realize. They're like, I thousand right. dollars for three rooms. Yes. Uh, yes, it does happen. I do try
0: when I take their, one of the things on the intake form does ask what your budget is, mm-hmm. which kind of can help me very early on when I'm sending out the consultation package, say, based on your budget, I would recommend consultation only and self-implementation from there. Yes. Um, But it has happened where you get to the consultation and they maybe haven't been fully honest or they weren't sure what it was going to cost until you tell them. And then they say, that's a lot. And I say, no problem. I'm here to give you a ton of great ideas that you can then take and implement on your own. And, and we go from there. So do you find that people actually fill out the estimated budget? Line, I would say 70% of the time. A lot of times people say, don't know what it costs or yeah. they leave it blank. And I think sometimes that's can be better because it tells me that the client knows that they don't know what something like this costs and they're looking for, you know, professional advice on
1: realistically what something's going to Okay. And if somebody said, don't know, you would, you would go to the consultation and then help educate them there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when okay. So let's say you're doing a consultation where you went into it knowing, or maybe at the end, I don't know, that it's just going to be like a consultation only execute on your own type situation. Do you write stuff down for them, send it to them later? Or do you just, you tell them at the beginning, like take notes,
0: Exactly. Yeah. I don't do any post consultation, anything. I say, if you have any questions you think of that we didn't cover, send me an email within 24 hours and I'm happy to answer them. And then anything beyond that first 24 hours, I say is billed at an hourly rate. So, you know, I've had before where that email in the first 24 hours has led to another email like a follow-up and a follow-up yeah. and a follow-up so I had to say one email post consultation and then um within 24 hours and anything beyond that is built hourly and that's like in a contract yeah it's in it's in that consultation package that I okay send. because at that point you know I don't take a contract to start a consultation yeah, me I just either.
1: like are we, we supposed to I don't even know I don't I don't know. I don't I think know. It's I know. yeah, I don't necessary. either. I okay, good. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. either. Okay. And I, I find mean, that most
0: people who are consultation only don't want all that they don't want to be billed hourly after yeah. the fact so the questions don't come. Yeah, 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 foremost. for sure. Yeah.
1: Okay, and you were talking about like um you I'm curious about how you schedule out projects cuz god it's like a whole thing, isn't it? Like I got yeah. a bunch of projects on the go and then I have a new project coming in, but I, we're already yeah. at capacity. Um, do you tell, no matter what the scale of a project, six to eight weeks to presentation? Exactly. It just gives me wiggle room, right?
0: Yeah. So it, it allows me, realistically, If you were my only client, it would not take six to eight weeks, especially if it's a one-room project or something. But I find that I need that wiggle room in there to, you know, I would rather under-promise over-deliver than the other way around. So I'd rather somebody get their presentation early than say it's going to be four weeks and, and come in at six weeks. So scheduling is a huge issue. I would say, I I don't know how to master it. And you know, you'll start sometimes we start with the client and they send the contract and they send the retainer and we're going. And then I don't know where they go. They travel. I don't hear from them for a while. And then they get back and they're a few months later and they're like, Oh, sorry, we have just been traveling. We're ready to start now. But that, you know, messes a lot of things that right so it's really difficult to predict and to schedule and I'm all ears if anybody
1: has any (laughs) ideas on that like yeah Yeah. that's that's the famous question that so even in the mastermind group we were talking about this like just how how um yeah so so at this point even if somebody came to you with one room you would still say 68 weeks is what you're saying unless yes like yeah of course, if there was like no other projects, maybe you wouldn't, or maybe you would still say that because it doesn't I would just matter. say that. I just
0: try to keep the policy the same across the board. I just yeah. think it's it, easier you know, to manage. Easier to manage. I think it makes you look more like a company. It's, I think it's also once you negotiate one thing from your policy, yep. it sets a precedent that you're willing to negotiate on other Yeah, aspects of your policy. So because my consultation package says that, you know, from, if you move forward, presentation takes six to eight weeks, they already know that going in, I'm not going to then change that number and then have the client think, oh, she's flexible about this. Maybe she'll negotiate
1: her rate or this or that. Right. So, yeah. And, and I think I remember too, from uh, one of the mastermind sessions, you said like you, you won't it's pretty much never that you'll no matter what is happening with the consultation, you book it about a two weeks out. Like, yes. Right. Yes. Which, which I totally get. Um, do you ever get some clients who like, you know, really should have hired you three months ago, but they're like, I need, it, I, need it, blah, 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 I need this now. And how do you kind of respond to that?
0: Yeah, I, that's a good question because that does happen. I will sometimes say, okay, right now we're scheduling two weeks out. If there's an opening, I can let you know. And yeah. then maybe I'll wait a couple days and say, hey, we've had a cancellation or this or that. Yeah. But really, honestly, even for my own sanity, doing something right then and now with our typical workload, obviously right now things are a bit different, but with our typical workload, it's just not always possible. No, no, we're pretty, we're pretty routine. And especially because the team comes in one day a week, that's the day we don't. Do yeah. Consultations. I don't really like to do consultations more than one or two days a week anyways. Yeah. Me I mean, they, you know, there's travel and you have to be thinking on the spot. They can be
1: a little bit draining. They're great, but yeah. yeah so I'm happy like to, to hear have... that. I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's well and it for me when I have to go somewhere when I have meetings in my day it mentally affects my whole day like in the morning I'm already thinking about the fact that okay I have to make sure and it it doesn't allow me to like calmly just sit and do the work I have to do because it's like I have to be here somewhere at a certain time right it just throws me off completely yeah absolutely I agree um and you know what it's so you're so right about like even just trying to say like, oh, I could probably do this in four weeks because my work, you know, it really, in my experience, I've done it. I've recently done it. We've all done it. uh, Yeah. And it's like, as soon as you don't follow your regular process, clients are coming at you and you feel like you're disappointing them because like they, you know, I didn't manage our expectations the way I should have maybe because I wanted the project or whatever crap I was doing. And it just it yeah. throws everything off and it throws everything off. And it's I like, it takes like time peeps. Like just, it takes time. Just It takes it time. time. And I just try to think of
0: myself, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm a real business or whatever in the traditional sense. But I try to think of myself, if the dentist told me, Hey, that our next opening is in two weeks, I wouldn't be like, unless it was a tooth emergency, yeah. I wouldn't be like, well, get me in now I want it now. You know what I mean? And I, I, so I try to operate in the same way, same as I try to keep to business hours. I don't respond to emails on evenings and weekends. Yeah, You know, I I try to keep as, I try to keep up an appearance of a, you know, regularly programmed business. Now that doesn't mean I'm not, writing emails on evenings and weekends yeah. or that I'm not working on evenings and weekends but from a client perspective they don't I am, see it I, they don't see that yeah and I mean the goal is to one day not be doing that but when you're mm-hmm. starting a business obviously
1: there's a lot that goes into it so 100 percent, absolutely yeah um okay okay here's what I wanted to talk to you about too okay what is the evolution like if you look back okay like DIY. Let's pretend that's not was. I mean, we all started up the DIY. Like you know what, that's going right. backpack. But if you think about like maybe when you're even like working in that in the firm like Sarah with Sarah Richardson. Well, first of all, do you feel like yeah. working in her firm? Um, kind of helped drive your aesthetic in one certain way or did you feel like you were already in that aesthetic of, of hers at the time or like, I'm curious about the evolution of your aesthetic versus like where it was then and now. Cause I feel like to me, I've I've been doing this for a very short amount of time and I already can see it and I'm like embarrassed yeah. of like some early stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Aside so from that the part.
0: Right. I think that happens. And I think that, you know, When you're working for another firm, you do have to sort of tailor your aesthetic to that firm's aesthetic because you are representing that firm. And at the firm, I was always working in teams. So it was a very specific aesthetic and and I was not a senior team member. So usually the senior team member was driving the aesthetic and I was just helping to project manage, source, and everything within those idea parameters. Um, And and I find my personal aesthetic is, is different from, you know, other firm that firm's aesthetic. And so it has been interesting trying to kind of figure that out. And I think that one of the key things to honing in on your aesthetic is to only publish photos of projects that are really in line with what you're trying to do. You know, in the beginning, I did some projects and they were more tailored towards the client's personal tastes and the project turned out lovely and really beautiful, but it's not maybe the aesthetic I want to attract more of. And so even though they're great projects, I didn't put them in on my portfolio, right? So as things come in that are more in keeping with my own tastes, I publish those and then that leads to more work in that vein. And as I continue to I'm hoping that I'll just hone more and more in on what is actually me, but it can be very challenging. I find one of the most challenging things is honing out the noise when we're on social media all day and being so influenced by a million different people and a million different, really talented people whose work you admire, just trying to kind of hone in on what your own voice is. And, and I think, you know, within, I'm just past a year now of my own business. And I think I'm still working to really hone in on what that is. And I think that's okay. I think if you're not looking back at your early work and feeling embarrassed, that means you're not growing. And I think you always should be growing as a designer.
1: hundred percent. I mean, and they say too, like on a business standpoint, like not, you know, an interior is kind of like art but you know you're supposed to be embarrassed of the first product that you ever put out there because if you if you're not then you waited too long right Exactly. um, so and I I'm like you know I I wasn't I just started doing this aside from like my own homes and condos apartments whatever they were like uh I guess it would be four years ago and I still like I'm still definitely still trying to figure out like what, what I love, what do I want to be about, whether it be like my aesthetic, but also my brand and you know, what I offer and what is my niche. And, and it's, and I think you just got to do a lot to, to figure that out.
0: I agree. I think it's all about learning. You know, you'll do something once and say, well, never going to do that again. Or you'll do something once and say, I love that. And I hope to do more of that. So how can I make that happen?
1: Totally. It's kind of like I don't normally offer virtual services, but given this time, I'm like, you know what? I'm probably like, I'm doing a few virtual things right now. So they're much smaller. They're catered to a much like smaller budget client. Um, I don't feel like it's something I'm going to be excited to have in the future, but I'm like, you know what? I'm being forced to do, I'm not being forced, but it's a good time to do it. And I can work on other like business related stuff to kind of tighten up processes, but maybe I'll find out like, Oh, this is a great, maybe I want to do two of these a month. Maybe I really like, yeah. And I feel exactly like a great yeah. for a specific clientele. I don't know. In addition absolutely. to absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you
0: have to kind of roll with the times. I mean, same for us. Now we are offering an exterior rendering service. So we started when kind of, we all started getting told to stay at our homes. I started doing a design dilemma series on Instagram. So every Monday up and then I answer one person's design question. And the other week somebody had an exterior design question. So I took their thing onto Photoshop and I redid the exterior with like some different finishes and things like that. And I put it up and I talked about it and the response from it was so great that I was said, well, this is a great service to offer right now when we can't really be leaving our house. Yep. So I've been offering exterior rendering services within a week. I had five books and I'm donating $50 from each of those to, you know, help our frontline workers get access to personal protective equipment, which is great. And people are happy yeah. to, to contribute to that too. So it's good, but you know, that's a service that given the times I probably would never have thought to offer but you know you have to adapt and you have to I think as a business owner get creative in in
1: tougher times and figure out other offerings that suit your clients current needs absolutely and um I'm I'm uh thinking of the same thing like I'm gonna offer like I've had a lot of inquiries over the last like little while for gallery wall design and yeah I've generally said no but I'm doing one for a friend right now. And I'm like, you know what? It forced me to put together like a how-to installing it based on what I send. So it forced me to do it. And now I'm like, okay, well, I'll send an email to my email list, post it on Instagram. I think that my Instagram is really just like 80% designers and whatever. But anyway. Yeah. um, And then I was thinking like, you know, I might just start offering like, again, to my email list, and it's past clients who, you know, were lower, but just, like, a free half-hour con- virtual consultation. And if additional work to kind of make ends meet happen now, great. But if not, you know, it's a feel-good thing. It, it's, like, giving somebody... Because a lot of companies are giving, like, you know, offering something during this time. Yeah. home. Yeah. Um, so I was like, that could be something as well. But it's That's it's amazing. very interesting, too, because who knows... You know, you're forced and backed into this corner. Maybe like some of these services are things like, well, they're like easy breezy services and they're offerings that you can like spit out. Yeah. Even after the fact, if it makes sense, right? Who knows?
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and who knows? Who knows how long it's going to last, too, right? So,
1: well, that's the thing. It's time to get real creative <laughs> up here. Um, you're, you're the girls, the I don't Okay, Yeah, the ladies that work the for, you, but, um, yeah, do they all have like uh, three do they all do like 3D renderings and and stuff like that? Like, what what uh, what skills did they need to have? If, if, yeah, so if, if c- that was a thing,
0: yeah, Cece is not a designer by any I mean, she's got great taste, but that's just finances are her thing. So she just yep. sticks solely to that. Um, and then the other girls, I would say it's a mix. So, um, you know, Rachel, one of the reasons I brought Rachel on to the team is, like I said, we've worked together in the past. And so I knew her aesthetic. Uh, I know she knows how I like to run a project. It was all the same kind of systems and processes that I use and have been brought up in. So for me, that was a really easy hire. She's fantastic at the paperwork side of things and the ordering side of things. And she's got great taste for sourcing. I would say that the technical side of things is not something she's as comfortable doing. And so that's one of the reasons that I reached out to Taylor is because I know that at the school that I trained at, the technical side of things and the AutoCAD and the Photoshop and the renderings and all of that is a really large focus of the program. And so, you know, when I graduated from the Academy of Design Toronto, I was, I would say very proficient in CAD because I did CAD all day for all projects for two and a half years. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think Rachel has did kind of the decorating program at George Branton, I should know this, but I don't want to say the wrong thing, but she did the decorating program. And then I think that the interior design, the bachelor of interior design degree um, takes what you learn in the decorating program and then a lot more of the technical stuff for a longer period of time. So the proficiency for people who have done that program is there. And that's one of the reasons I thought Taylor would be a really good fit was to take over some of those technical drawings and things like that
1: and you said you you didn't learn just autocad you also learned photoshop
0: yep there's photoshop oh. courses there was um actual like rendering with markers
1: courses okay yes I've seen <laughs> the renderings I want to do that so bad like I'm like oh maybe now's the time to start trying to teach because I re- I, I took graphic design and we right. had the same markers that you're using yeah. And I I did a render. I did a drawing of like a Neutrogena Neutrogena bottle back in the day. Oh my god! Same type of markers. And I, I've seen like lately. I somebody else posted. um, They work with somebody to do hand renderings for their projects. Yeah. Like looking at that, and I was just like, oh my god! Um, I'm one of the things I've been wanting to do as like a hobby. Maybe not interiors, but I wanted to start doing like digital art in some way or another. Digital, amazing. But, but um. You, do you ever do rendering, hand rendering? Okay, does your hand rendering skill set come into play during a consultation where you can quickly do something, a sketch, a sketch for them on the spot sometimes? Yes, I would say sketching on the spot is good. Although
0: I would say my sketching on the spot isn't that great because <laughs> the thing about rendering is it's, you use rulers and you figure out the perspective and there's a grid and it really helps you right? it helps a little bit with sketching on the spot. And I, I did, I've always been kind of an artistic, artistic person. So I have some sketching skills, but I wouldn't say my sketching skills on the spot are amazing. Um, and I have done hand renderings, I think once for a client project, and it's very time consuming. So I don't think that the average client wants to pay for you yeah. It's just not efficient <laughs> it's not efficient, no, it's really fun, and I love it, and there's something very peaceful about it, but I think yeah if I think in future, if a client ever wanted it, it would probably be something that I hired out to somebody who did it all the time because they'd be faster, faster. and just better,
1: yeah, yeah, do you ever um as part of like a way to communicate to somebody and though like do a sketch like like a vignette because I feel like I have seen you post certain things like maybe your sofa's here I don't know I Instagram becomes a blur I'm like did I see that on yours I don't know but you know as a way to show somebody how to maybe style a vignette or do you yeah. ever resort to a drawing to to communicate um a concept in some way or another past the concept yeah world? I absolutely do. Or, you know, before I spend the time to
0: render or do an AutoCAD, an elevation of a built-in, I'll just quick sketch out what I think it should look like. And that might take me 20 minutes. And then I send to them and I say, do you like this idea before I actually go and put it in? So yeah, it's, it's good. Or yeah, definitely sketch vignettes. Um, even if I'm playing with color, like if I'm like, what color should these cabinets be?" I did a basement with green cabinetry, and I kind of sketched it up quick and I took my green marker and filled it out and I said, "Yeah, I like it." and then I moved forward with it, right? So yeah, yeah, it's helpful for sure for things like that.
1: Okay, okay, I want to ask you about sourcing because this yes. is like a stupid thing. I'm curious, like, okay, you're let's sourcing furniture. Let's say yes. that's what we're doing. What what are you doing when you're sourcing furniture? You get on your laptop computer and you like start online. Like what are you pinning stuff that are ideas? Like I'm curious, like take me through, like I'm sourcing furniture. We finalize the floor plan. How are you managing all the selections you're considering? Like what do you do? Yeah. So we
0: use Google Slides for the most part. And so as we're sourcing, we pull things into Google Slides, we'll screenshot the thing, and then we'll put the link in the notes so that we can get to the actual information later. And we start kind of with an overall options for each room, and we pare that down to what we think. Oftentimes with things like sofas, chairs, headboards, um, even things like coffee tables, consoles, We will find sometimes an idea we sort of like, but we do try to do a lot of that custom when we can. So especially sofas, I always try to recommend a custom sofa, but sometimes I'll look online for kind of the idea of the shape or the arm or that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, we use Google Slides to keep that all organized. And then from there, uh, I kind of go through and make final selections. So say Rach is pulling a few options for this room of each, I'll go through and say, okay, this, or sometimes I'll say, okay, we need to relook for this. Um, we, I do help with all the sourcing. I always have kind of the final look over and the final say, just to make sure it's within the T- Tiffany Lee design aesthetic. And then from there, we group everything into mood boards. Yep. So when we present to the client, it'll be kind of a Photoshopped mood board of all the pieces And then a slide of each piece with pricing
1: and just an individual image of each piece. Okay. And so you don't even pin when you're sourcing. Like, you basically, instead of what I've been doing, but it's I've been feeling like not great about it. Um, Yeah. And I started, uh, I told you I got a training at three. It's for Basecamp, which. Oh, Nice. I've used it. Oh my God. I was just thinking, I feel like if you have a team of like four of you and you're not in the same, it's, it's incredible. Yes. I used to use it back in corporate, but it's come a long way. And I'm like obsessed right now with this. And they are actually, um,
0: I have a book on my nightstand. They've written a couple of books, Oh, yeah. uh, the owners of Basecamp and they're, they have just such amazing ideas about the right way to run a business so uh I can recommend. you share those books with me after when you think of it yeah yeah one is called rework and then I've I'll have to it? look I up. didn't know that
1: was the base camp
0: yeah and then they have one more and they're I've read them both
1: they're short they're short and easy read perfect awesome <laughs> yeah they're great <laughs> uh, that's amazing well what I realized was um well okay so what I would be doing when I was sourcing would be like looking online pinning into a, a Pinterest board, okay? Like, if you went to yeah. my Pinterest, it's a fucking mess. <laughs> and, but but I find that it's confusing, it's messy, and what, it takes forever to load. And then with Basecamp, which is probably similar to, like, what, um, I'm going to check out Google Slides. I've never used it. But you can, mm. but I, I realize in Basecamp, you can start a new document, you can copy an image from the internet and paste it, which a lot of time you can't do that. And then it allows yeah. you to... Add a caption that's attached to the picture. So I've been just doing that, then putting the price in the link, so it's all collected yeah. in one place. And what was really good was sometimes I, pres- I was presenting virtually to a client and I might have like a plan B or C in my back pocket that I don't put in the presentation, or I don't always put the pricing in the presentation because sometimes I want to get a feel for it, not based on the price. I want you to tell me the same. (laughs) Absolutely. This was making it easy for me to, because before I was just putting like links, then I'd have to go back and go click the link to make sure it was the thing I was going to get them to. on. But now I could say like, I could have a picture of the three options with the price attached. It was just amazing. So this is like a new thing I'm going to be doing. I'm going to go check out Google slides, but, um, it's just, uh, it's just this thing that's been like, then I would forget what I even had in Pinterest and then it would be like, with this I just feel like I can go, okay, dining room, put it all together, maybe three separate files for three separate rooms. I don't know. It's just like this thing. Right. About. Yeah, it sounds pretty similar to how we work with
0: Google Slides. And one of the things I like about all Google documents is they update in real time. So a lot of times I'll be at home and uh-huh. working on a presentation and Rachel will be at home working on the same presentation. And as we do things, We have like a different colored square, but she can add something and I can add something and we can be working on it in tandem, even though we're both at our own home, which is pretty
1: great. I love it. Um, Do you use Google Slides as the final method for delivery of the presentation as well, or is just how you're building your ideas? Yeah, we use it for final presentation as well.
0: Okay. So it's great because you put all your ideas in there and then as it gets refined, it... It's creating your presentation simultaneously. So like a PowerPoint, I think the fact that it's updates in real time, so you're never having to wonder what version you're saving and where's the latest version, like as opposed to PowerPoint, right? You have to keep saving. Um, So it's just always updated. Everybody always has, it's probably more useful as a team because everybody always has the most up-to-date copy and the helpful thing is, yeah, being able to work on
1: it simultaneously. Yeah, that's freaking genius. Yeah, as a girl that's a good little right. nugget. And when you're presenting to clients, do you yes. preso- <laughs> present sometimes more than one option for a piece or? Typically, no, but
0: sometimes I will have something in the back pocket. I usually will go through the whole presentation. And as we go through, I'll just have my own copy of all the slides. And I'll just put a little note if something needs to be resourced. Okay. And I do it afterwards. I think that... It's a lot of time to source two or three options for every object. And I don't think a client needs to be paying for that when they might love the first thing that you think. I also think as the professional, they are relying on you to tell them what you think is best. And so I think one option, what I think is the best option, that's what I put forward. And then if they don't like that, that's totally fine. And I'll go back and resource it after the fact, instead of trying to guess what they may or may not like and do it ahead of time right? Because they could yeah. love everything and then you're saving
1: them a lot of money and design time. Totally. Um, uh, also, like if you're doing a whole home and you want to yeah. now give multiple options, putting that together in a way that's cohesive and clear is a nightmare. It's so, oh, in my I agree anyway, like I'm just like overwhelmed by the amount of information I'm trying to visually communicate to them. But then Absolutely. you got this option. But then you got this option. It's, it's confusing, right?
0: It's, yeah, it's confusing for me, to the it's client, for and that. it's confusing for us. And I find that with whole house projects, you get a lot more yeses. I don't know yes. because hey, yes, I'm with you. <laughs> I do so much, and they can start to see the whole vision that it's yes, yes, yes. Whereas when you do just one room, there's more time to
1: sit and kind of scrutinize each item. They hundred percent. That's legitimately a theory I have as well. And I think it's like, basically we, I've talked about this with other people where the smaller the project scope is, the more, the longer it always takes, like whether it be a presentation, I have a one room presentation. It's going to take two hours. I have a whole home presentation. It's going to take two hours. It's like, it's like they, they hold the less stuff you which is also why showing them things one at a time is bad because they are giving it so much like importance on its own. And it has to be so right. amazing when it's like, that's right. not how this works. It's how everything interacts together. That makes it. Yeah. Like, not every yeah. piece can be a showstopper. Exactly, look Like a hot mess. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. Okay. I'm going to ask you one last question and it's about your process. Okay. And I'm, cu- and I'm curious, what are your early steps in getting to know a client's as like style or furniture preferences or this or that so like obviously there's a consultation which I assume you're gathering some stuff there is there additional yeah. like research related touch points with the client to help make sure you don't force yeah. them like a tufted couch and they hate tufted stuff you know as an for example. sure I think that I, I would
0: say it's a little bit different for every project but I do try to use the consultation to get a lot of that information so I do ask at the consultation for them to have some Pinterest boards ready with their inspiration. And I spend time in the consultation. If I know, I don't so much do this if it's not going to turn into a larger project. But if it is, I take some time in the consultation to go through and actually talk about those photos with the client and say, okay, why did you pin this image? What is it about this image you liked, right? Because I can look at an image and say, okay, they must love white walls and they must love this. and they'll And then they'll tell me, well, I just liked the color of this sofa. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I that's think that really she, misleading. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I actually think talking about their Pinterest boards at the consultation helps me in that regard. And then afterwards, I once the contract is signed and we're moving forward, I'll ask them to send me all those Pinterest boards. And um, sometimes with the initial sort of budget and... Floor plans, I'll just send some inspiration images. So I don't spend a lot of time, but I'll just pull two or three vibe images for the living room that I give with that floor plan and the budget. Okay. Kind of set the tone and just
1: before I actually start sourcing items, make sure that I'm on the right page. Right. And what about like when does art come into place for you? Like, because sometimes art can be such a bold part that is your jumping off point. Or do, like, is your philosophy in a room like, find an element that's maybe like the jumping off point, whether it be like a, a rug or a piece of art or something yeah. that like, well, this is driving. And this is a thing too. Clients don't like when I'm working with clients art that they already have, sometimes it's like right. specific and it's like, or a rug that they, they got on a trip, which is amazing. Right. I find it amazing. I like actually being able to, as long as I like the piece being, because it's like you have a, a reference point to build from, but it's, Clients don't always understand, it's like, okay, we're going to use this, but just so you know, like this is now a jumping off point and everything we do has to make sense in relation to this. So do you work that way? Like they don't have anything you're like, do you have one piece you like to start with that's your jumping off? Yeah. So usually we start with fabric schemes. So we'll go
0: out and we'll pull, say we're doing a whole house. We'll go to all the main fabric houses in the city and we'll pull hundreds of fabrics, just everything. That catches our eye. That maybe this is the color we like. We'll pull hundreds. We'll bring them back to the office, and we do a big full day scheme meeting where we toss out. I would say ninety percent of those fabrics and send them back, and then we keep down and we sort of narrow down our schemes for each room. Maybe say, okay, this is you know the sofa fabric, the pillow fabric, the this, and we have kind of our base to start from, and then we go from there for finding all the other pieces. So I would say fabric is usually our main starting points in terms of art yeah it can it can be a huge part of a project or it can be a very minimal part of the project towards the end so I really think it depends on the project and the client
1: right um when you have like when you have the scheme I lied apparently that wasn't my last question before (laughs) 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 when you pull the scheme and do you just kind of pull it to one and then that's the scheme you're going to show in six to eight weeks, or do you go, Hey, here's the direction we're going in. Yeah. or nay? No. Yeah. We'll pull it. And that's the, fa- that's the scheme that we show in six
0: to eight weeks. And sometimes before we send all those other 90 plus fabrics back, we'll keep them in a bag so that in case at the meeting, they say, eh, I don't love that pillow fabric. We can go into the bag. We've already done the source and we can say, okay, what about one of these? Um, But for the most part, that scheme is the scheme that the client sees and that we
1: hope is going to move forward with. Okay, so this is a cool thing. Um, I always feel weird because I think this is an experience for me. So it's totally not unacceptable to walk into a fabric house and leave with like, a shit ton of fabrics like they're not pissed off at you right no I think they love it I mean okay good because I'm always like sorry here's another list and I'm doing yeah it's like yeah
0: okay good and I think you know this is probably also because that's similar to the firm I worked at how they did it we always pulled a ton of fabrics and you know that firm had a lot of pull in the industry I was gonna say they're
1: like oh whatever you need Sarah (laughs) yeah and
0: so maybe I'm just being presumptuous that they want to do the same for me but that's no I mean, I think, I'm not rolling with it <laughs> yeah the more fabrics you pull from them the more likely they are to get a sale and I think that's, that's okay good. and as long as you as long as they trust that you're gonna send the fabrics back in good condition and in a timely manner the ones that you're not moving forward with I think you build that rapport and they know that they, they know you're they're gonna get those back in a week's time or
1: whatever, yeah so. yeah yeah. Um, speaking of which I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody that, um, cause you were just talking about how like you were putting samples into a baggie. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. tell everybody that when this episode goes live, if you can figure out how to access the podcast episode specific show notes, I'm going to share the link that blog post with the identity collective on how yes. you, how you basically organize client samples within your office, because you don't have a huge home office. Do you want to share a couple yeah. little nugs from that? And then I can share the whole article. It's yeah, so absolutely. It's so yeah, that was great. I, so I had done a story
0: on Instagram about how I do it. Just, you know, a story that disappears in 24 hours. And yep. Anastasia, who I know you've had on the podcast yeah. before, that was such a great episode. I
1: oh my God. devoured it. <laughs> it's still, to this day, the most listened to episode. Oh, it's fantastic. She is
0: fantastic. Nice. So she's, she reached out and she said, you know what, this is great. And I've never seen something like this. Would you be interested in sharing it on a blog post? Of course, I jumped at that opportunity. So basically what I do is for each client, each client project gets one plus clear totes. So depending on the size of the project, you might, they're shoebox size totes. And I put the client label in the front. They're clear so I can see what's going into them. And then I just organize my samples, usually by room within those uh, shoeboxes. They stack really nicely. They're a good size that it's easy if you're having a client meeting to pull and bring with you or if you're going outsourcing you take it in your car like if i'm going to a say look at countertops i'll just grab the bin with that client's tile
1: and i bring it with me and then it's all there it's, so good. it's so good because yeah, what good. i've been doing well oh it's so good yeah, that part where you just grab the tote to go like what yeah. i do is i mean i have drawers for each client it's like these ikea like units right the long wide right. ones yeah and that's been great It's it's been totally great and then what I would do is I have this little like, I have these stupid clear folders, <laughs> which are like terrible. But and I would just go, okay, you know what, I I can't carry all of them, so I would put them in this, and I would just go, okay, yeah. I know I want to go, boo boo boo. But then I might forget one or whatever. So right. this is just so freaking genius. So to. I don't know. You got to figure out how to access show notes when you're on a podcast app. It's not a web page that I do. It's just within, but I will include it. And it is so good. I have like, um, because it was a Home Depot product that you had linked anyway. So I had it, like I have it bookmarked. I'm like, I need to do that. I don't even know if they're shipping. It's a great time. It's a great time to get organized. (laughs) It's so freaking good. Um, Okay, lady, I I want you to tell everybody, you touched on this a little bit, but you might as well... um, share with other people, although maybe nobody's going to be able to take care, take benefit from this, but your Airbnb. So you have like your own Airbnb Mm -hmm. that you kind of renovated and now you. I do.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I bought a little cottage up in the Sobble beach area. I bought it a couple years ago and we spent a year going up and renovating on weekends. And it's been since last May available to rent and it's been fantastic. Been renting a lot. We actually have this summer all fully rented coming up, but we'll see what happens with everything going on. If if those will be able to move forward or not, we're kind of playing it by year at this point. But yeah, yeah, it's been great. And I I don't know if anyone's ever interested in starting their own Airbnb. I'd love to chat about that too because it's so much fun and it's highly it's been highly successful. So that's been great. But yeah, if you just go on Airbnb and look up. Sobble Beach. I think it's one of the, the top ones that come up. So
1: yeah. and uh, Does it come up? Are you li- Is it linked on your website too? Or did I make that up? It's linked on um, the through Instagram.
0: So it's the Bell Beach House. And if you go to the Instagram page there, it's linked there.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, lady. We'll tell everybody where they should follow you and yeah. All the good stuff. When is it's your new. it going to be live? Do you think?
0: Uh, hopefully in about six weeks, six oh, weeks yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay. excited. So my website is com, and Lee is spelled L E I G H. And then Instagram is at Tiffany Lee design and pretty much everything else is same thing at Tiffany Lee design. If you're looking for me elsewhere, but Instagram is the main place that I'm hanging out. So
1: Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We've been trying thank to do it for a little while. I'm me. so freaking pumped. All right. Yeah, so, this is great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Michelle. It was so fun. Yay. Okay. Bye. Okay, take Have care. Stay healthy. Wasn't she awesome? She's so great. You should, if you're not already following her on Instagram, go follow her. She's got a great feed and yeah. So I, a few takeaways for me is I'm going to work on my consultation kind of info package, info kit, whatever you want to call it, so that I can be delivering that information a little more succinctly than I currently am. And I think the biggest thing is to reel in the amount of information, like I've been going too much into the information of full service design in that package that I tried to create before. So I'm going to do that. Uh, I think another thing for me was I liked some of the how she does some of the sourcing in the early stuff where she puts together a floor plan, and then we'll give a more defined budget for furniture after the floor plan is confirmed which I really really like and going forward I think I'm going to just basically say what she says like minimum probably more like $15,000 for one room it's so easy and straightforward I think I'm just so afraid to scare people off is but anyway it's always a mental battle isn't it I am sorry it's been a couple weeks since I put out a new podcast but given the times I am opening up my podcast calls to be a little bit more than just on Fridays, which is normally how I do it. And I fully plan to continue with a consistent schedule going forward. So I got some great interviews scheduled and I'm very excited to share those. And I just ultimately, I hope that everybody's holding up. Okay. I know it's a really, really tough time. I've managed to keep myself very, very busy over the last three weeks. And I'm in a mindfulness course. I was in a mindfulness course and we had to do our last session over Zoom. And there was probably about, let's call it 12 of us on the screen. And everybody had an opportunity to talk about what they were feeling. And probably like five of them were, were, were very emotional. And it really made me realize that my staying busy has really kept me from feeling any of those emotions right now. So yeah, is that healthy? Who can know? But I do, I do listen to a lot of podcasts about what's going on in the world. But I just trying to stay educated, but optimistic, do the right thing. Don't leave my house unless I'm going to get groceries. And the last three times my partner went without me, because there's no sense in two of us going, that's just adding extra risk to everyone else, and potentially ourselves um, unnecessarily. And I've just tried to pivot my business a little bit, you know, seeing how I can work with people, offering some additional stuff, working on my business a lot. So, really trying to tighten up my processes, looking at things that I have been putting on the back burner forever. I hope you're all holding up okay. And if anybody wants to reach out and have just a Casual conversation, we'll call them COVID conversations. How about that? We can talk for however long or short as we want. And my only ask is that I get to record it because look, I'm not, can't make myself available to that many people, but if I can kill two birds with one stone, uh, have a conversation with some people, um, they can pick my brain if my brain's even at all worth picking, or just like talk about your feelings. Um, I literally just came up with this concept the second before I said it. COVID conversations. So if you are interested in that, um you can go to MichelleBennett.com slash COVID conversations to schedule like, you know, some time to do that. And if they're just short calls, we can just uh I will just put a bunch of them together and we can basically just talk about what it, how has your business changed, how are you feeling? Um, you know, it it can just be anything, anything at all, guys. And uh yeah. That's all I got to say about that right now. Anyways, if you guys want to follow on the journey more, you can go to Real Talk Design. I'm really trying to be better at going live in there much more frequently. I'm also uh, sending emails. You can go to slash Real to Talk uh, to sign up for that. Follow on Instagram, Real Talk Design. That's it. I'm going to end this now. This has been what I would consider rambling and you've probably all stopped listening already. Anyways, guys, that's all, wash your hands.